Good morning, Summit. Well, as you heard before, my name is Obed Cephas, and with me this morning is my beautiful, my supportive wife of 39 years, Joy, and she makes me feel so better being here today. It is my delight, it is my privilege and honor to be sharing in worship with you here at Summit this morning. I know you guys have been praying for us and supporting us in so many ways, but to be here, it's just awesome. And to be asked to bring a word, to preach, it's an honor that Pastor Todd would allow me to come and to share in the pulpit. This is something we take serious in Harvest Spanish Town, Pastor. We, we just have to be careful who steps into our, 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 our pulpit because it's crazy there. <laughs> So I will be speaking for a short while this morning from St. Matthew chapter 5. A few verses there, you may want to turn there. But before I get there, I must express my heartfelt gratitude and appreciation to, again, Pastor Todd, the leadership team here, for your, the many ways you have blessed us and prayed for us and prayed for the church in Harvest, Spanish Town, Jamaica. As a church planter, it gets really lonely sometimes. It's, uh, support dries up from people who said they were with you initially, and we understand that. It's sometimes it's the economy and other things. Sometimes people are just not sharing the vision with you again, and it gets lonely, and discouragement looms at times. But you have persevered with us, and we are so Grateful, We are honored, we are we're blessed in the many ways you have supported us. And shining your light in faraway places like Jamaica, and even now we heard in Africa, is a tremendous blessing. You have enabled us to reach the lost for Jesus Christ and to make disciples. And this is what we are about there in Jamaica, and I know this is your heart here. So summit, brothers and sisters, thank you. Thank you for standing with us. I want to tell you that we love and appreciate you. You have been praying for us, but I want to tell you we pray hard as well for you there in Jamaica. We love you and we'll continue to pray for you. And we trust God's wisdom as he leads us into what this partnership may, how it may unfold even in the future. So we have been preaching through a sermon series in our church entitled Summer on the Mount, a teaching through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is, as you know, uh, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. So in Matthew, Jesus is revealed as the promised Messiah, uh, the Son of God, the long-awaited King that the Jews were waiting for for many years. And the narrative revolves around uh, the theme, his birth, his baptism, and his public ministry. And in this uh, Sermon on the Mount, you would find the phrase, the kingdom of God, uh, several times, over 30 times in Matthew, the kingdom of God is mentioned. And so as Jesus began his ministry, healing the sick, performing miracles, and this, this delivering incredible speeches, 
People started to follow him and get very excited about him. And they thought, hey, this was the guy we have been waiting for for years. Let's crown him as our king and let's crown him so he could be our liberator and the new king to free us from our oppressors. But contrary to the expectations of the Jews, Jesus thought that his kingdom that he has come to establish would be so much different. It would be totally opposite from any other kingdoms that they would have seen in the world. His kingdom is a countercultural kingdom. Some people like to say that Jesus' kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. I think Jesus' kingdom is, is in the right position. I think it's the world that is upside-down. So Jesus explained that people who are in his kingdom and under his reign live their lives by a specific set of kingdom values and attitudes. And we see that in the same chapter 5 here from verse 1 down to 13 and especially from verse 3 down in what we call the Beatitudes. And Jesus would say things like these which are really so uh, out of the box and unheard of in his time. Things such are blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit is unheard of in that time and in our time. It's the guys who are haughty and proud and uh, pumptious that are seen as the blessed ones, have a lot of things and fame. Jesus would say things like, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. But so that section ends there with the beatitude and ends by reminding us that the blessedness that comes to and Jesus confers on those who are in his kingdom, that sometimes that blessedness comes at a great price. Sometimes we will be persecuted. People will ridicule us and say all kinds of evil things against us. But he says we are to rejoice. Because our reward is, is in heaven. Jesus tells his followers that we live by a different set of kingdom values. And so, now with all of that said, I'm just going to ask you to turn to the passage I want to, us to dive into today. And as Jesus continued his sermon on the mount. So, if you are there, let's look at verses uh, 13. To 16. St. Matthew 5, 13 to 16. If you are there, say amen. amen. All right. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under feet of men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our God 
and you have chosen so many ways to reveal yourself to us so we can know you, we can know how to relate to you, we can know how to serve you, and that, God, you made it possible for us to be brought into your kingdom, and you have laid down instructions to guide us along the way. As we get into this passage now, Lord, I pray that you will help us to remove every distractions from our minds and just to focus on you. And Lord, as I bring this word, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So, in light of the countercultural perspective expressed in the Beatitudes, it is easy for us to assume, and it would have been easy for the folks then to assume that Jesus is calling his followers, the persons who he had called, he had just called a few of his first disciples, that he is calling us to a separatistic kind of lifestyle, to withdraw from the culture, and to be in our own little cliques. But here Jesus is proclaiming precisely something uh, opposite. Well, yes, of course, you might already been saying, yes, we are peculiar people. We are different. And indeed we are. But as Christians, we must not withdraw from society. In in fact, what we should be doing, Christians, we must be permeating society with as being as agents of redemption. Instead of withdrawing from the culture, we need to get in there. I heard that earlier. We need to get in there and permeate society as agents of redemption. The world needs God's people to function the way God intends for us to function. In other words, God's kingdom people need to have influence in this world. And not the kind of pompous influence that we see happening with the talk show hosts and those people of opinion makers in society. And so for today, I have carved out a little title for this sermon, and I call it Kingdom Influence. Kingdom Influence. As Christians, we are not to withdraw ourselves from society. Instead, we are to impact our world and be a force and a source for good in it. From our text, Jesus uses two illustrations to show how we can impact our world. He says that his followers, that you and I and all those who have made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, he said this as we just read in the text. You are salt and light. Uh, I'm a teacher sometimes, so I'm just expecting the students to be with me. So you are salt and you are light. There you go. This is a great compliment for a believer, for us. But it also carries a great responsibility because we know in scripture that Jesus himself is the light. So here he calls us light. It's such an amazing thing. But we will get some more into that. 
So first, let's look at what Jesus could possibly mean by describing his followers, describing us as being salt. What could Jesus possibly mean by calling us salt? I believe that could be a a very bad thing in America to say some people are salt. But then if we are in the kingdom of God, we need to embrace that you are salt. (laughs) Right? Yes, and we need to greet each other that way sometimes. Yes. So you see, based on the purposes of salt in the ancient world, one could correctly deduce that Jesus is saying that believers are to have a constraining and preserving influence in the world. Believers, brothers and sisters, we are to have a constraining and a preserving influence in the world. Verse 13 says, you are salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? And it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on their feet, people's feet. You see, the importance of salt, especially in the ancient world, cannot be underestimated. Salt had many uses and ideas abound about salt. For example, the Romans were paid in salt. And I don't know about you, but you know, when I was in the country, I would hear the phrase, uh, he, he worked, he, his worth is salt. Anybody ever heard that? His worth is salt. And so this is where this is coming from. So salt has value. Salt has value. I want to tell somebody here today, that you have value in the kingdom of God. Jesus says you are salt, salt has value, you have value in this kingdom. Also, in the, under the Mosaic law, it was required that uh, in offering, uh, making the offerings, uh, the sacrifices, uh, Israel required, they were required to have salt. Leviticus 2.13. So when Jesus told his hearers that they are the salt of the earth, they would be very familiar with this metaphor. And uh, not only uh, those in Jesus' immediate hearing, but Bible scholars throughout time, they also had uh, various views and opinions about salt. For example, some thought that the whiteness of salt represents the purity of the justified saints. Others say that salt flavoring properties imply that Christians are to add godly favor, flavor to the world. Another group asserts that as salt, Christians are to create a thirst for Christ. Salt, however, has two other vital purposes, which are mostly, uh, most likely what Jesus had in mind when he I was speaking here. Said, You are the salt of the earth. Jesus then is most likely thinking of the function of salt as a preservative and as a flavor enhancer of food. A flavor enhancer. So it is safe for us to say that Jesus means here is that believers are to act as preservative constraining sinful influence in the world. We are to be acting as preservative, constraining sinful influence in the world. 
knowing that many people in his audience were fisher folks. Jesus was now sitting on this hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus is the master teacher. He use, uses everything around him to make his point clear. Many of those who came at that time, they were fisher folks. Jesus knew they would have personally been acquainted with the use of salt as a decay blocker for their, their fish and their food and, and all that in, in, to, to remove and, and block impurities from spoiling their fish and meat. Without refrigeration, the fish that they caught would quickly spoil and rot unless they had packed it in salt. Once salted, then they could remove these fish and use them later as they are needed. Uh, Brothers and sisters and loved ones, the spiritual health and strength of the Christian through the power of the Holy Spirit is to counteract and to constrain corruption, moral and spiritual degeneracy and sinful influence that are uh, just across the world today. Like salt that penetrates fish and meat, preventing it from breaking down and rotting. Jesus expressed here to us, his followers, to me and to you, brothers and sisters, that we are to act as a kind of moral and spiritual antiseptic, constraining sin and sinful influences in our world. And you would know that so much, about that so much here in America. It is so sad that America... This blessed nation seems to be leading the world in spiritual degeneracy and immorality. You may not have me back here, but that's how it looks when I watch the TV. And someone says in Jamaica, and so America don't even know, I believe, how much you influence the world. Someone says back home that when America sneezes, Jamaica catches a cold. But, but, but you have a part as believers here to make a difference, to be a kingdom influencer, to be the salt, the spiritual antiseptic that is counteracting the sinful influences that are so much sweeping across the world and across your nation, across our nation as well. You see, we have been given this wonderful privilege and responsibility to be salt of the earth. But Jesus moves on as he preaches. He gives a warning. As we look at the second part of the the verse here, he says, but if the salt has lost its taste, how would its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown on the foot trodden under foot of men. Our world is really in moral and spiritual decay. And as people of God, salt of the earth, we do not constrain sinful influences only, but believers enhance and are to enhance what is good and what is godly in society. We're living in a time when everything seems to be, there is this word I believe probably formed here as well, deconstructed and, and, and deconstruction and redefined. But there are some things, brothers and sisters, that stands forever because they are in God's word. 
And he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, it will never pass away. And so, as kingdom people, we are to be like salt and enhancer of the taste of food. We are to enhance what is good and godly in society. Many of us can readily appreciate salt as a flavor enhancer. You know, uh, those of you who know me well now and around us, you know we are soup people. We always have to have a little soup before we start whatever, our meals or a cup of, cup of tea or something. That's probably part of the British vestiges that have been left back with us. But we, we always have to have a cup of soup. So Joy cooks soup almost every Saturday, 90% of the Saturdays of the year. That's a special soup. And quite often, Joy would say, just come and taste this for me. It's not making sense today. And all I would do is just take a pinch of salt. Because she has already put in so many seasonings, and all it needed was just this pinch of salt. Salt used in the right proportion serves to bring out the flavors of food. And sometimes just that one pinch of salt makes a world of difference. And you know what? You are that one pinch of salt. You are that one pinch of salt, brother and sister. You are that one pinch of salt to make a difference in this world. Some people might take this, though, to mean that Jesus is saying that we can lose our salvation when it says here that we are no longer uh, good for nothing. We are no longer good for, for use. Jesus is saying that we, can, we, we won't lose our salvation. Uh, we are no longer be a part of his kingdom. You see, when salt becomes contaminated, it loses its taste. It becomes ineffective and lacking in fulfilling the purpose for which it was intended. But it is still salt. Glory to God. It is still salt. And it's the same way believers can become ineffective uh, by, by losing our influence and use, losing our effectiveness. But we are still salt. We can get messed up, but we are still in the family of God. 1 John 1 and verse 9 says this, and if you are here today and you think you have messed up and you, you feel like you're not so worthwhile in the kingdom anymore and you're not so effective, First John 1, 9 says that our blessed Lord, that he is like this all times. He is willing and able, if we confess our sins, to forgive us and to cleanse us and to restore our effectiveness and our purpose for which he has called us. And so in the same way that salt enhances flavor of food, it seasons. The followers of Christ stands out as those who enhance flavor of life in this world. We are to be the model for people who are in darkness. People who are, has lost uh, their, their taste, their, their effectiveness, their beauty. We are to be those people that stand out and we are sprinkled across the nation uh, for those, among those who are so, uh, as it were, so much distasteful things coming from them, we bring that beauty and flavor back into the world. Amen, believers? 
You see, as we live under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and in obedience to Christ, we will inevitably influence the world for God. We need that dependence though. This is not about us doing this, just being salt and influence the world. We can't do this. We need uh, to rely on the Holy Spirit and be in obedience to Christ. And he will make us beautiful. He will make us this enhancer of, of what is good in society. And then you may ask, then how do we do this? How do we enhance this, bring this beauty? Where there is strife, where there is strife, we are to be the peacemakers. Jesus taught that as we were looking at verse 1 down, verse three down to 12, just above our passage here. Where there is strife, we are to be peacemakers. Where there is sorrow, we are the ones who are to be bringing uh, and ministering and, and exemplifying the love of Christ. And where we are being treated and people pouring out evil on us, we, have, we are the ones to be returning goodwill and love and peace and demonstrating Christ's love to them. Returning good for evil. And where there are moral laws uh, being replaced with man's evil and detestable laws, we must preserve and enhance all that is good and godly and God-honoring in the world. Jesus says that this is who we are. That's just us. That's just how it is. That's our function. We must stand on the truth of God's word. Because we are salt. I trust that as you leave here today, you will remind yourself that in this culture, in Jesus' kingdom, in the culture that you live, you are also Jesus' kingdom. And you are salt. You are preserving and you are enhancing what is good and godly in society. But not only are we to be salt, as we see here in the text, but Jesus continuing, uh, once again, he looks, turns to another illustration and he says to his hearers, he uh, uses an illustration that his hearers would very much understand. Look with me now at verse 14, what he says here. Not only are you salt, but he says, you are, you are light of the world. And again, it is fear to, to, to say that what Jesus is saying here, that believers, that his kingdom people that he's just putting together, those disciples who he has just drawn and those who are in front of him on the, 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 the mountain overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And for those of us here, he's saying believers are to reflect the light of Jesus in the world. We are to be reflecting the light of Jesus in the world. Light, as you know, is that which enables us to see. Light illuminates, it exposes, it guides and directs. Light gives life, even life, to plants and, and to us, to vegetables and animals. In addition to the description of the title light, that, 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 the, 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 in addition to the description, the title light has been given to by the Jews to certain of their eminent rabbis. And now to hear Jesus apply the same title to these peasants and fisher folks that were before him, it must have sounded strange to the ears of the scribes and the Pharisees. And when we think of our own selves sometimes, 
even as I talk about this, about us influencing our world, we sometimes would wonder, who, who are we really? <laughs> who are we to change anything? It's all the guys who seem to be brilliant, and the lawyers, and those educators, and opinion makers. But Jesus was in effect saying here, not the rabbis, not the scribes and the, the Pharisees, nor even the uh, Sanhedrin that was assembled, but you, 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 us, humble people, you are the light of the world. He gave them this title, not after he had educated them, not after he had taught them for three years, and not so much on account of what they knew, but on account of what they were. And as we talk about influence in the world, so many times we feel that we are not yet there. But it is Jesus who enables us by his Holy Spirit to be effective light and to be effective salt. The fact is, wherever there is faith in Jesus Christ, there is light. For our Lord has said this in St. John 12 and verse 46. He said, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may no longer remain in darkness. So the moment we are saved, the moment we said, I, I put my faith and trust in you, Jesus, for what you have done on the cross for me, I repent of my sins. We have now been delivered as Colossians 1.13 would say, we have now been delivered uh, from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. We are now transferred into the kingdom of light where our king himself is light and we are his light bearers and light reflectors. And so uh, this is who we are. Light we are not little Jesus. Some people will say that we are, there's, there are little gods. We are never like Jesus. We are becoming more and more an image of his son, being conformed in his likeness as we work uh, through our sanctification. And we hope to be getting brighter and brighter. But we should be his light bearers. Be his light bearers. Brothers and sisters, there was never a time that the world is so dark. And Jesus is calling us. He's calling you and me to be his light bearers in this time. And so Jesus then expands the light analogy and the light illustration to show the scope. Let's look a bit at the scope then of our Christian witness as light in the world. Looking now at verse 14. Looking at the scope of or scope of our Christian weakness in the world, I would say that believers are to shine the light of Jesus collectively through the church to show the way to him. We are, as his kingdom people, to shine our lights, to show uh, the way to him. Who is the true light and the source of light? The word said, you are light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. The Greek word there for light is very similar to the word beacon. That uh, is uh, similar to what that of a lighthouse emits. That beacon is bright and unmistakable in its purpose. 
A beacon warns of danger. It directs to safe harbor. It provides hope for those who have lost hope. And God uses us, his children, as lights today, as beacons from this lighthouse to show the way to those groping in the dark and have lost their way. We are that by the grace of God. This beacon, this light. And similarly, the distinctive, spectacular brilliance of millions of lights of a well-lit city says believers are to shine the light of Jesus collectively. I don't know about you, but I just, I'm just so blown away when I travel at night and I'm flying over one of these beautiful cities like New York City or, I mean, Los Angeles. And I, I'm just blown away at the immensity and the, the brilliance of this collective uh, lighting that is lighting the city, guiding so many activities. And as a church... That, that is us. The world, loved ones, have never been a darker place. And we as a church, as Summit, as Harvest, back home, collectively, we need to be shining brightly like a city on a hill. Every day we are surrounded by people groping uh, around in darkness, separated from God, who, who, who loves him. And we are to shine bright and unmistakably and with a, a wide range as much as God allows us like in Zambia, and like you are doing even now in Jamaica. Your light, and I praise God for you, you are shining across the oceans. And I just encourage you to continue to shine. We are to shine locally. We are to shine regionally and nationally and and globally by the grace of God as he gives us strength and opens opportunities. We are to shine because we are light of the world. Our presence must be seen, and not only be seen, but it must be felt in our communities, impacting organizations and impacting schools. And we must have a wide range, a wide reach, as the Holy Spirit empowers and as God provides. In Philippians 2 and 15, the Apostle Paul said, Believers in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation are to shine as lights in the world. Now, this is kind of a missions focus Sunday for you today. And you are doing great, Summit. I applaud you. You standing with us and supporting members who've got missions, uh, vision for their lives. But as we think about this, we ask ourselves is, is there more? that we can do. God, can you raise up some more people to send to some more places? Are we doing as much? But while we are to be brilliant lights collectively, believers are to impact their individual spheres. We're talking about the scope of our Christian witness as lights. Verse 15 and 16 says, Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. When I was growing up as a child in the most westerly part of the island, in those, in those days, we had lamps 
as our source of lighting in our home. And lamps provide light for small spaces. And my mom was just so great at, she was the greatest uh, cleaner of, we had shades that were called home sweet home. Uh, probably you wouldn't know that, but home sweet home, they, when those shades were cleaned from the lamp, it just was so brilliant. And so lamps provide light for a smaller space, but its purpose is to shine nevertheless, to dispel darkness and light the way so we would not lose our way and stumble. And so this example speaks more of us as individual believers. Quite often, we shine in our churches. We shine when we are here. We are glowing and we shine in our favorite little ministries. But at home, in our workplaces, at our schools and colleges, we're not shining so much. Our lights like Jesus said here, makes reference to and allude to, our lights are somewhat covered up. They are covered. But Jesus calls us today, brothers and sisters. He says, indeed, you are to shine. You are to shine collectively as a church, but you are to shine individually as my kingdom people. You know, we, we had a little song in our church. Sometimes it says, a part of it says, uh, Jesus bids us, sh- uh, bids us shine with a pure, clear light, like a little candle burning in the night. In this world of darkness, you must shine. You must shine. I must shine. You in your small corner and I in mine. We are called to shine as individuals. So when we come together as a church, we become that city on a hill. And we don't need to only be shining when we are here on our worship teams and in our small groups and when we are together, but we need to shine by the grace of God when we are alone and we hear the stuff that are going on around us that we need by God's grace to step up and be bold and courageous and shine for him by yourselves individually, by the Holy Spirit empowering us. And the passage ends with Jesus saying this in verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father, to your Father who is in heaven. So what might some of these good works be? They involve living out those kingdom values and attitudes that we talk about uh, in, in the Beatitude. And throughout Scripture, being peacemaker, these are, these are doing good. Being merciful. Sometimes when we look around and what's going on, we forget the grace of God that is in our own lives. How he has been merciful to us. Mer- being merciful is, is this good work that we need to show in this time when so many people are going astray. Being meek and humble is good stuff, is good work. Being hungry for righteousness is good. Are you hungry for righteousness? 
and going after what God is about, loving others who persecute you and do all manner of evil against you, persevering through trials. That's amazing testimony. That's a bright light shining. You know, there are many people, especially in my country, when you're going through trials as a Christian, as a kingdom person, it's either your faith is not strong enough or you're not really a Christian. But the Bible tells us in James that we are to count it all joy. And that's good work when we count it all joy in the face of adversity. And we love God no matter what. It's good stuff. It will shine the light for others to see and glorify God and bring others to faith in him. We are to serve the poor and the needy and the hurting. This is good work that kingdom people are to do. We are to comb some hairs and buy some hair products. We are to get into the homes and cut some nails, some toenails and comb some hairs and give some shampoos and love on people like Jesus did. And then we proclaim the gospel. This opens opportunities for us to share the gospel. That's how Jesus uh, meet many people and then he's, after he healed them and he got them back on their feet, he would say, go and sin no more. Doing good works gives gospel opportunities. Now I want to say something here though, that good works does not save anyone. I want us to be clear on this. And good works do not get you into the kingdom of God. We get into the kingdom of God by grace through faith. As we read in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it is not good works that save us. But we are called to good works. Once we have made Christ our Lord and Savior, we are called to good works. Good works then is an outworking of the kingdom follower, of God's kingdom follower, of who we should be. God expects that of, of us. And, and while I'm here talking about us shining and being salt and going to various places and being courageous and doing all these things, these things don't come easy and come naturally. We need the power of the Holy Spirit enabling us to walk in obedience to Christ to be bold and to be courageous, to speak the truth in love and to proclaim the gospel in the world that is growing more and more hostile to God and to the truth of God's word. We cannot do this. And then many of us have failed. But God, this is what God is calling us to do this morning. To be salt and to be light. To be dependent on me. It's not about your brilliance. It's not about uh, your, so much your, your training. It's about how much you will lean on me. How much you will depend on me. And I will shine through you. Today I don't know what is the state of your effectiveness as a Christian witness. But if you are like me, I desire to shine more. I desire to be uh, of greater effectiveness and I'll be a greater Christian witness in my home, in my, everywhere that my life goes to permeate 
the world with kingdom values. I need God's grace and the Holy Spirit's power for greater effectiveness to advance his kingdom. And if that is your heart today, you might have become contaminated like salt somewhere God has not done with you yet. He can restore you and make you effective again. If you have been following the world, they're saying uh, we are to shut up as Christians and we are to be in some corner and be uh, covered up. It's a private thing. I would like to challenge us this morning to repent, to turn to God if we have been lacking and ask him by the Holy Spirit to renew us to renew our impact, to, to renew our effectiveness so that we can be Jesus' influence in his kingdom that he's building right here and right now. That his kingdom will be, his kingdom's presence will be felt, it will be seen through us and through our church, through your church, through my church and through every church that is faithfully lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. I would like us to pray today as we examine ourselves on how effective we have been as a preserver of God's truth, as an enhancer of what is good and godly in society. And as we radiate God's light across the world. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the great compliment you have given us, declaring us to be light and to be salt in this dark world. We recognize, God, that it's also a great responsibility that we cannot fulfill it in ourselves. Today we confess that we have fallen short. Forgive us, we pray. Renew us, we pray. That we will be of greater effectiveness. That we will be our weak Christian weakness, Lord, will be great and will bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.